All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Everybody reach in and draw a pickled egg. Whoever gets the black egg, stay sober tonight. Gotta love an episode that starts with The Simpsons. Did you know that Homer and other iconic sitcom stars helped make drunk driving uncool back in the 90s? No! You got your black one. But what's the solution for distracted driving right now? It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Samarodi. This week, the story behind making drinking and driving socially unacceptable and how it relates to texting and driving today. We start with this man. Uh, My name is Jay Winston. Dr. Winston, Jay, directs the Center for Health Communications at Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health. The Harvard School of Public Health wants to have impact on the public agenda with the results of its academic research so that it becomes much more than simply academic research. Right. So what this means is that Jay and his team strategically try to use mass media to change people's, your, behavior so that you can live a healthier and safer life. And the best example of how they've succeeded is the idea of a designated driver. It's common lingo now, but back in the 80s and the early 90s, drunk driving was not taken that seriously. When Mothers Against Drunk Driving was founded in 1980, an estimated 25,000 people a year were killed in drunk driving crashes in the U.S. So Jay and his team came up with an ad campaign saying... If you choose to drink, drink only in moderation and choose a designated driver who doesn't drink at all. And our slogan was the designated driver is the life of the party. There were public service announcements. 90s stars like David Hyde Pierce from Frasier got in on it. You know this designated driver thing? It's a good idea. I think designated drivers should be awarded sainthood. Not only do saints save people's lives... They also almost never dry heave into their cornflakes the next morning. We also went to the White House and we were able to convince George H.W. Bush and then Bill Clinton to appear in public service announcements. Remember, the designated driver is the life of the party. For a few years, the ad campaign went on and the strategy was kind of working. But then Jay met for breakfast with an old friend, Dr. Frank Stanton, who happened to be the former president of CBS. And he told Jay, You're doing great work with advertising, but you're missing the boat. Mm. That nothing can begin to rival in potential impact entertainment programming where different demographic groups closely follow particular shows, identified with particular characters, and there's enormous potential for modeling of behavior in that situation. 
Turns out this advice about modeling behavior through media was right out of social learning theory. And so taking his friend's advice, Jay headed for Hollywood, meeting with dozens of TV executive producers and showrunners. What we asked them to consider doing on an occasional basis, and only if from their point of view it worked for their show, because they didn't know us anything. And also, if it didn't work for their show, it wouldn't work for the audience. Mm-hmm. It would stick out like a sore thumb, was to incorporate a line or two of dialogue that would reflect the evolution of a new social norm about drinking and driving that was already beginning to occur. Out of that process, over 160 primetime TV episodes did that. In many cases, they went beyond a line or two of dialogue. They would have the entire cold open of a show of an episode of Cheers. Nice cold beer going down. (laughs) Wait a minute. Not so fast. It's time for us to pick our designated driver for the night. Okay, you all know the rules. Write your names down on a slip of paper. Uh, On the TV series... um, Growing Pains on ABC, they actually went so far as to introduce a new boyfriend for teenage Carol with the intention of sacrificing him in an alcohol-related traffic crash so that their young audience would experience the loss of someone they had grown to know. Were you drinking? Yes. Was Sandy? Yes. And driving. Carol, we have talked about this. Mom! I don't believe what I'm hearing, Carol. Uh, listen, Carol, um, that guy Doug just called from the hospital. Carol Sandy just died. Oh, my God. Yeah, he said it was just a few minutes ago. Michael Seaver, that is the sickest joke that I have ever heard, and I am never going to... I think I remember that episode, actually. Yeah. That's the point. It's the power of storytelling. Use of designated drivers in the U.S. skyrocketed, such as four years into the campaign, the majority of the American public had either served as a designated driver or been driven home by one. And fatalities over that four-year period dropped by close to 25% compared to 0% change in the three years just prior. Now, in the era of the designated driver campaign, It was a different world. I mean, there were three TV networks. You could hope to reach 75% of the American public on any given evening. In a minute, why saving people from distracted driving is way more difficult than drunk driving. We're slaughtering ourselves on the highway as a consequence of our belief that we're all great multitaskers, and it isn't true. Stay with Note to Self. We're back. It's Note to Self. I'm Anoush Zamarodi. And we're talking about how we get fewer people to drive while they're distracted, whether they are texting or talking on the phone or quick taking a peek at email. All told, in the U.S., 35,000 people die in car accidents every year. Not just from distracted driving, for lots of reasons. Because cars are dangerous. But I kind of figured that the problem is going to go away on its own pretty soon, right? Because we're all going to be riding around in driverless cars anyway. 
not so fast, says Jay Winston of Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health. It's going to take a couple decades before driverless cars are the norm. So in the short term, technology is causing, not necessarily solving, our driving safety problems. The introduction of smartphones and other digital devices into the cabin of the car is contributing to a very, very sharp increase in the number of traffic fatalities in the U.S. And so far, efforts to deal with the problem have failed. You may have seen AT&T's It Can Wait series of videos. Everyone loves the picture I posted of you. Or gasped in horror at the mini-documentary on YouTube that filmmaker Werner Herzog made as part of the campaign. She was not only speeding in the school zone, but she had also run the stop sign because she was texting. These videos have gotten millions of views, and still... They've yet to have any real impact on behavior. And so the problem of distracted driving, if anything, has grown worse. Driving fatalities were up 10% in the first six months of this year compared to last year. And they were up 50% in 2015 over the year before that. But why? Well, getting the message out about stopping distracted driving is tough. No one has quite figured out how to stigmatize that behavior en masse, make it socially unacceptable to have your phone at the ready when you're in the driver's seat. In part because media just doesn't have the same traction these days. Millions of us don't sit down on our couches at exactly the same time on Thursday nights for must-see TV. Remember that? In 1990, 20 million people on average would tune in to watch an episode of Cheers. That Werner Herzog video about texting and driving, 3.3 million people total have watched it since it was posted on YouTube three years ago. But it's not like people don't know distracted driving is dangerous. The interesting thing is most young people, according to public opinion polls, are of the view that they're scared to death of ending up in a crash caused by a distracted driver, but that they will not be the cause of the crash because they are not the problem. And they are not the problem because they are each above average drivers. Just to be clear, so we're not just talking about texting and driving. It's almost like it's become a way of life to be doing lots of things at once. And that has carried over to driving. It's not just the phone per se. It's not just texting specifically. It's just everything. Yeah, it's multitasking, and it's the very fast lives we're all leading. And we're lost in our own thoughts. And even if you have a hands-free device that you're using, if you're deeply engaged in a conversation, you become blind to your external environment. Even if you're glancing outward, you're not really seeing anything because you're not processing what your eyes see into the parts of the brain that need to receive the signal because the brain is distracted and is on overload. And people don't understand that. They don't understand the limitations of the brain and short-term attention. So what are you looking at to help them realize that they are just as fallible as everybody else when it comes to the lure of texting and looking at your phone when you're behind the wheel? So the thought we have is instead of trying to convince young people that 
their beliefs, their personal beliefs about their own capabilities are completely wrong. We decided maybe we ought to kind of accept those beliefs as a given and try to build on them. Instead of saying, don't be a distracted driver, we want to shift from a don't message to a do message. And we want to encourage people to uh, become sophisticated, attentive drivers. If you're distracted, if you're holding a smartphone up to your ear and, and you're talking, you may well be looking straight down the road, but you develop tunnel vision. They think if they're looking straight ahead, they're paying attention. But no, they need to scan, and there are particular ways that you can be taught to scan, and they're easy. Scanning. So taking in the entire traffic scene, and this means while you're driving, at least looking a quarter mile ahead or a city block ahead. And this can help with what's called situational awareness. Because in 90% of traffic crashes caused by human error, loss of situational awareness is a factor. So checking blind spots regularly, glancing slightly left and right, looking for darting deer or children, and checking your side and rearview mirror every five to eight seconds. All these steps are part of scanning. You need to avoid tunnel vision by taking in the total traffic scene as you drive. And these are skills that are taught to airline pilots all the time. It's a crucial concept on a football field and on a basketball court, but no one is yet talking publicly about it around traffic safety. And so we want to kind of move the conversation in that direction. All I'm thinking of are the people who are crossing the street looking at their phones. There seems to be less and less situational awareness just in like everyday life. And, you know, I laugh at those people. And then the other day, I completely caught myself crossing the street and looking at my phone. And you're right. None of us are any better than anybody else. So what's the campaign here? I think the most important thing of all is we need to bring the message into the cabin of the automobile itself. And the way to do that is to mobilize passengers in those cars, including Mm. children who are sitting next to their parents, to mobilize them as interveners. I mean, I have heard stories from fellow parents where the kid, you know, in the back seat, in a car seat, has said, mommy, put the phone away, like a three-year-old shaming their parent. That's the primary approach that we want to pursue. But the difference is now... You know, you would drink at somebody's house or there'd be a party or in college, whatever, and then you would go and the driving would occur. And what we're talking about now are these simultaneous behaviors. And I actually read, I think somebody said, you know, the difference was you consumed alcohol and now your phone and and all the wonders that come out of it, it's consuming you. Mm. That's right. It's almost an unnatural act to set aside your smartphone when you get into the car. Your entire life and world revolves around it. It's a big, big challenge. Dr. J. Winston, thank you so much. You're welcome. Glad to do it. So if you're listening to this podcast in the car or while you're walking down the street, I hope that you feel it was well worth your time and not too distracting. I hope you're thinking about scanning, staying alert. And if you're listening to this on the treadmill at the gym, then I guess I do hope it was just distracting enough. Practice scanning anyway, okay? 
Next week, one father's story about texting and driving and how the company that helped the FBI unlock the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone earlier this year could be behind a potential solution. So what you got to understand is only a few people in the country have gone to jail for killing somebody uh, while texting and driving. Don't miss next week's Note to Self, because I've got some news to share next week, too. Yeah, if you did the Bored and Brilliant Project or the Infomagical Challenge, even if you didn't, I think you're going to be interested. I want to tell you. Okay, I can't right now. Anyway... The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Kat Aaron, Jenna Cagle, and Joe Plord. Many thanks to Rachel Neal for her help this week, too. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Manoush Samarodi. Thanks for listening. Oh, lousy. I gotta go to Vermont for some stupid poetry thing. Homer, don't drink and drive. Oh, fine. I'll drive between sips. Whoop!